0: Over the last several weeks, we've talked about idols, and I get I, uh, I get nervous talking about idols because we all have them, and they're not just things we love. They're not just TV. It's not just money. It's not just um, fame. You know, nowadays, kids are more, uh, if you ask kids nowadays if you'd rather be famous or rich, they'll tell you famous. Um, they don't care about rich anymore. They just want to be famous. Um Several decades ago, they asked the same question, polled the same question of teenagers, and they all wanted to be rich, which is the right answer. Uh, just, neither one of them is going to make you happy. Um, but the, the idols we actually worship are ones that we have, um, it, it's not just other gods, but it's a simplified god. So you take, um, back at Exodus 32, whenever they make the golden calf, and then they say, tomorrow we're going to have a festival to Yahweh, to to the God of gods. They take God, the God that can't be explained all the time, that is hard to understand, and they try to stuff God into something that isn't God. That's the idols we struggle with, and it's the idols that are nerves for us. They're the they're the nerves that like, if someone touches on it they say, no, that's holy, don't talk about that. Like traditions, like we talked about last week. And that wasn't You know, we didn't talk about traditions because we want to change traditions, but we also, we talked about traditions because we don't want to worship traditions. We don't want our traditions to become the things that define us. We are defined by Jesus. We are defined by God who loves us and cares for us and sent his only son for us, shows grace to us, shows mercy to us. We are defined by those things. And if we define ourselves by those things, it's a powerful definition, but it's not, a powerful definition to say oh y'all are the ones that don't have music. No we don't. Wait, hey, did I go? Am I going in and out? All right. Well, maybe get better in future. I did that on purpose. That wasn't actually happening. I'm going to stand back here. Just turn this mic on. confined to the prison of a pulpit (laughs) but traditions aren't bad they're just not holy and they're not they're not they don't need to be defined as holy they don't need to be backed up even with scripture when they were building this building and they decided to put in chairs One of the things they had to do is they brought in a chair and had to let, they just like leased one or rented one, I guess, and put it in the back and let people sit in it and made people go, oh, okay. Yeah, this is heavenly. <laughs> Sometimes pews feel like you're not getting put into a basketball game. It feels like you're just sitting on the bench in worship. And they bring they 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 made a change, and that that's fine. And listen, last week uh, we did talk about songs um, that, like you hear a song you don't like, like we we sing the song. What was the song? Good, good father. I'm going to give you a tip, just a little life hack, worship hack for you. Um, If we're singing a song to God and you don't know it, that's okay, because when someone gets up here and leads a prayer. And they're talking to God and they're praising God in a prayer. No one then goes, I don't know the words to this prayer. <laughs> you get to experience the prayer whether you know it or not. And that's okay. So if we are singing a prayer, a praise to God, and you don't know it, treat it like the people around you are praying and you don't know the prayer. And you can, you can worship still in silence and hear. The words, and sometimes actually, even if you know a song, it's healthy to stop singing it for a second to hear it. Um, So, don't get thrown off if you don't know a song; you'll know it eventually, but it might take a while. For some of us, it might take longer than others. But just the things we're not used to, we might say, "Well, that's not right." Or the things we're not comfortable with, we might say, "That's not holy." But We can't make idols of the things that we're comfortable with. We can't make idols of the things um, that 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 we love when they're not fully God. God can bless things. God can make things holy, but those things aren't God. And the one I'm going to talk about today is a bit of a nerve. But I hope you stick with me because... I don't want you to hear me at first and then just abandon it. But we're going to talk about the golden book today. We're going to talk about the Bible and how we've turned the Bible at times into something the Bible isn't. So stick with me. And if you disagree with me at the end, we can love each other anyway, and we can disagree about it in heaven um, in the kingdom of God. But the Bible is used by everybody. Everybody uses the Bible, whether they know it or not. People have sayings that they'll say, oh, so a good saying is this. And it's Jesus. Jesus gets quoted as anonymous often. Jesus, but even if they even if they don't trust the Bible, they don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, they often will say they will use the Bible. Doesn't the Bible say you're not supposed to judge me? Oh man, we love Matthew 7. When we're right in the middle of a sin. We use the Bible for a lot of different purposes, and we can acknowledge that And for a moment, let's just pretend that I'm preaching to people outside these walls. We can acknowledge that there are people in the world who use the Bible for, in ways that the Bible was not meant to be used. Just use one there. You're not supposed to judge me. It's not what Jesus was getting at. I love Stephen Curry. He's one of my favorite basketball players. But on his shoe, he has Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've prayed and prayed. And I can't shoot like him. Not even close. No one can. Maybe no one in the history of the game, maybe save Pete Maravich, can shoot like Steph Curry. Ray Allen, stay in your pew. (laughs) No, that maybe, argument, yeah, Ray Allen. But the, but like, is Jesus making him shoot because of Philippians 4.13? We're watching the March Madness now, and there's, uh, praise God for these young men who give God glory. But I just want one of them to say what it actually sounds like. Turns out God was rooting for us. Turns out God was rooting against the other team. God hates Marquette. We don't, that's not a proper use of that scripture or a proper use of the Bible. So we can acknowledge that people, let's just call them people, they're not here today, but people use the Bible in ways that the Bible was not meant to be used. your kid wants a tattoo oh you get all Leviticus 19 on (laughs) him. just ignoring the part of Leviticus 19 that says and also don't blend fabrics no tattoos or cotton polyester that's what Leviticus 19 is about but we 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 will bring the Bible in when the Bible stands next to us, right? Son, Bible. Bible, son. Bible's on my side. We'll use the little verses and we'll pick them out and we'll say, this is is important because I believe it. And we'll pick another one out and we'll say, well, that's contextual. The Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. Charlie's the only one who does that. The true holy one I don't do that because the Bible does not say greet each other with an awkward kiss and that's what it would be if I did it no he isn't <laughs> that wouldn't be good but we, 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 t- we can take things and say, well, that's contextual, and that's binding, and that's the thing. that And all the while, all we're doing is just making an argument for, typically, what we've already believed. Right? Rarely are you making an argument against yourself from Scripture. And the Bible is an unhealthy magnifying glass. It's an awful way through which to examine the world around me. It's a very healthy mirror. It's a challenging mirror. One that if I look at scripture and I say, how does this reflect upon me? How does this change me, shape me, make me into something that I was not yesterday? It's very good at doing that if you let it. Through the spirit, if you let it. But oftentimes the way we use the Bible is we hold it up to the world and we say, oh, it turns out the world isn't right. We even say the world, look at that, the world. Of course they're not right, and it's not because they're not following the Bible. It's because they're not following the one to whom the Bible points. See, if you try to make the Bible your God, it's not going to work eventually. Because what happens is, I've told this story before, but I've heard people make the argument that they don't listen to what man says, they just listen to what the Bible says. And I don't know if you know that, but th- that's a logical fallacy. That assumes you're the only person who sees things exactly as they are. So, a, a, Greek, a, a Greek scholar who who has studied the ancient history and the ancient context, and he is dove, dive, he's diving, divin, he's dived into the text. And he's exploring it, and he's looking at the sentence structure, and he's looking at the way it's um, put together, and he's looking at the author, and he and he says, This is this is what this, this is what this verse means. And someone says, I don't read commentaries, I just what you mean when you say that is I don't listen to other people, I just listen to myself. It's not because you're clearly just looking at the Bible, you're just Hearing yourself comment on the text. There's a good chance it would be helpful if you heard what other people said. It's always helpful for me when I hear what other people say. And not even educated people. What you people say. It's nice to hear your perspectives. But we all have, we can all come at the scripture from a different angle. And when we read certain verses, those might pop out at us as as important or, or life changing. And others might pop out at us as confusing. And it might be completely different from someone else. But if we come at the Bible as something that's supposed to point us to Jesus, we're all going to get pointed to Jesus eventually. It's always going to point us to Jesus. In the, in the church at Corinth, Paul was uh, writing them and he starts the whole book by saying, some of you are saying, I follow Paul. And some of you are saying, I follow Apollos. And some of you are saying, I follow Cephas or I follow, I follow this guy or this guy. And he says, the church isn't divided. We're not looking for the best teachers. We're looking for Jesus. And the the whole book of Corinthians, the whole time he's winding back to what he's going to say in first Corinthians chapter 15 and first Corinthians chapter 15 is very long and we're not going to read all of it. But he starts it off the header of the whole point of the whole chapter is this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Okay. now, a lot of times churches will will, will take a list and we do this, too. This isn't uh, we're not talking about other churches, just churches, us. We're including us. us and that. We take a list of things from different passages of Scripture and we say these are the things you must understand before you can follow Jesus. But it's also helpful to remember that the people who first followed Jesus didn't understand anything day one. And as it turns out, they didn't understand much day, day 900. It, it was a long process. And Paul here is pointing them back to the first thing, the gospel, the good news. The Greek word here is euangelion. It just means good news. And he says, um, I'm pointing you back to the the gospel I preached to you. And the word, this could be translated, remind you of the gospel I gospeled you. I told you good news and it was good news. And good news isn't that, that, see, that Peter's a better teacher or Apollos is a better teacher or that I'm a better teacher or that we understand things better. It, the good news is simply this. What I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelfth. I keep saying Cephas. That's the way you're supposed to pronounce it, but I were in the South. I should say Cephas, shouldn't I? Okay, Cephas. I'm sorry to make all of you uncomfortable. But notice how he phrases that. So there's there's four things here: that Christ died, that he was buried, that he was resurrected, and that he appeared to the twelve. And the first two are the the, the first and the third one are the are the more important phrases, is is the where he wants to emphasize because he, he adds this phrase. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures there doesn't modify third day. He was raised according to the scriptures on the third day. Um, And then that he appeared to the disciples... And he goes on to say, and he appeared to a lot of other people, and he appeared last to me, like a child like that was, that was un, of untimely birth, and I'm the least of the disciples. But he, he says the main point, what all of Scripture is pointing to is that Jesus died for our sins and conquered death through his resurrection. That's a good That's good news. Sometimes we treat the gospel like we got to go into the go into all the world and tell them they're bad. Go into all the world and tell them they haven't got it quite right, that their opinions aren't correct, that that they haven't figured it out. Go into all the world and make your argument. But the good news is simply that Jesus died and that our sins are covered and that our death isn't permanent. Because he conquered death, we conquered death. Because he conquered sin, we conquered sin. Go into all the world and tell them that. What will bring the Corinthian church together is not that Paul tells them which teacher is the right teacher. It's that he tells them which king is the right king. Which savior is the right savior. See, when we take the Bible and make it serve only our purposes... It can become an idol, not because the Bible's bad, but because we, our motives aren't always pure. What do we want to be right? So oftentimes studying a thing typically means just going into the Bible and figuring out which verses tell me I'm right about the thing I already thought. But if you're going to study Jesus, Jesus is going to change you. If you're gonna chase after Jesus, Jesus isn't, you, reading Jesus doesn't make me go, oh yeah, well, I'm right. Reading about Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees makes me feel more like a Pharisee. Reading about Jesus' interaction with the widow makes me feel like a widow, makes me feel like a poor person, makes me feel like someone who's been cast out, and that's all good. I don't ever need to, as I'm reading the gospel, put myself in the shoes of Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But I'm someone that Jesus loved. I'm someone that Jesus challenges to not just be what I've always been, but to be something different. Do you see how the two studies can really create a disciple or a monster? If the Bible is just a textbook for your arguments, the Bible is not worth your while. But if it's something that points you to Jesus and that's what its purpose is, is to point us to the cross, to point us to the the sacrifice on the cross. Paul to Titus says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, he he had just previously said we used to be we used to be worthless. We were fighting. We were bickering. We were we were getting we, we weren't good people. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous, of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. There are, there are several things that need mercy. Our unrighteous acts, our unrighteous thoughts, and our, just our misunderstandings. This church does not believe that we fully, completely got the Bible figured out. If you need a church like that, um, you will not find one, but you might could find one that says it does. We're still wrestling with it, we're still f- diving into it, we're still struggling with it. I think that's the only way to approach it. And we get to. For so long, and this is really just American Christianity, we've, we've, American Christians have acted as though the unforgivable sin is being wrong. We will be wrong. And we will be forgiven. We will misunderstand a passage. And then God has mercy for that. So God shows us his kindness, shows us his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace or by his gift, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. This is how. This is what we're supposed to be stressing. Actually, he says that I want to stress you. I want you to stress these things, Titus, as a preacher, as a pastor. I want you to stress these things so that you, um, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But look at the, the first of the next verse. But avoid foolish controversies. I had a woman come into my office, maybe the first year I was here, and she said, y'all's church needs to be stressing that the end times are near. I said, okay. What What do you mean? And she pointed to a bunch of things. Um, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, the president's always some sort of antichrist, I guess. Um everybody's afraid of this war or that war looking like a war in Revelation. And I told her, okay, let's just pretend that the end is near. What do you think God would have us do? Her answers probably disagreed with mine, but my guess is if the end is near, we probably need to be doing even maybe more ferociously the things God called us to do if the end wasn't near. Right? I mean... If the end is near, keep loving your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> like, do it better now. You don't have much time. You know what? The end is near. Do that work. Do that better. But that, to me, like that's not, that's not an argument I can fit Jesus into right now. I probably have my little pet things that I like that I think are true and are important and someone can follow Jesus just fine without agreeing with me. And I have to get my fixed goal through that concept too. Or that concept through my fixed goal, either one. But he says, you, you guys focus on Jesus and what Jesus has done And you will do good work out of that. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. Because these are unprofitable and useless. This doesn't mean that you can't send in your 23andMe swab. You shouldn't. I don't know why you're just giving your DNA to businesses. That's... Big Brother's watching. I don't want Big Brother tapping my phones, but here, I'll take a cheek swab and mail it to somebody. (laughs) Thought that went through. You can do it if you want to, but the Bible's not telling you you shouldn't. It says, stay away from those things. They are unprofitable and useless. Listen, this is not the preacher saying, don't disagree with me. Absolutely disagree with me. That's fine. That's going to be natural. But we need to to always ask, is this thing we're fighting about making us better Jesus followers or is it making us worse Jesus followers? And if we're following Jesus and doing good, then that's the measure. It's not, have I got this scripture right or wrong? Are we following Jesus, loving our neighbor, doing what Jesus calls us to do? Is the Bible pointing me to Jesus? And if the Bible is pointing you to Jesus, then it is, it, you are using it the way it was designed to be used. But if it's pointing you to your own correctness and the incorrectness of all those around you, you are using it as a weapon and not as a book. And it's not healthy. You're using it to lift up yourself. And it turns out ourselves are the biggest golden idols of them all. He says, That stuff's not productive. He says, Warn a divisive once, person once. And then warn them again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it seems like he's just talking. And then warn them a second time. How about that? We're going to give them two warnings. And after that, have nothing to do with them. Don't engage in the fight. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Now, we'll go back to this verse when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Man, that is a verse maybe we could read every morning, right? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness thing, righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He saved us. When we're fighting to get the Bible, like to get everything right and get everything in order, and we've got to like, I've got to be right about everything. And, and not just right about everything. I just need other people to recognize that I'm right about everything when when that's our approach who does that glorify who does that lift up who is worshiped at the end of that argument but the gospel is simple That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to his disciples. And that he saved us not because of righteous works that we've done, but because of his mercy. Can we take a minute to trim the fat of Christianity? And refocus ourselves on the good news of the Bible. It turns out sometimes you've got to behave better isn't good news for people. Now, it's something that Jesus is going to lead them toward, but the good news is that they've been redeemed even though they are sinners, and that they've been rescued even though they are dead, and they'll be resurrected even though they've been buried. That's good news to the world. And we we can't spruce that up. With, and also I'm correct. And also everything, the, everything about the Bible I've understood properly, and you should listen to me. That's that's gonna run people off. But the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, that's what the Bible, that's what the Bible is for. And when you're struggling with the passage, ask yourself, how does this point to Jesus? That's what it's trying to do. And if you can't understand a passage, that's probably where it's, that may be the key to unlock and maybe see it more. in in a more helpful light. All of Scripture, and we saw this last year as we went through the whole Bible in one year, the whole story of, of Scripture in one year, all of Scripture is pointing to God is going to redeem his people. And it turns out he did it through Jesus and he united us through Jesus. That's what all the scripture is pointing to. Now, sometimes some of you may be thinking, well, I don't, I don't really like, I don't want to give my life to God because I don't really understand it all. I don't know enough. I hear that so much. When I was baptized, I didn't know enough. When I was I think when I was baptized, I probably still believed in holiday mascots. I can tell you, I didn't know enough at that point. I didn't know a lot, we'll say that. But I knew Jesus. And if you know Jesus, there's eno- that's enough to give your life to Jesus. G- Jesus does not expect you to know it all. Actually, I don't think Jesus even prefers to use know it alls. But if you know Jesus, then today's the day to follow him. Today's the day to be united in his death, burial, and resurrection if that's not something you've done. Today's the day to give up the, the, the idol of being right and stop using the Bible to support your own idol worship. And give in to the thing that the Bible is pointing to all along. That you are broken and Jesus loves you. And that he redeems you and he sets you free from death and sin. If that's worth responding to, please come forward while we stand and sing.